today we're not going to be doing a, a full-length sermon, uh, but just a reflection in God's Word about one aspect of communion, of the, the Lord's table, which we'll be taking together today. So if you have a Bible, I know it says Colossians in there. It's actually going to be John 3.16 today. Um, and let's pray before we begin. And yet, even if you know the verse John 3.16, it might be worth opening if, if you like to take notes and that sort of thing. All right, let, let's pray together. Jesus, speak through your word right now and prepare us to once again engage in the Lord's table, this, this meal that you've instituted for your people. Impress again upon our minds, hearts, and transform us through it. In Jesus' name, amen. So back when I lived in, um, in Nashville, Tennessee, there was this sushi place that was by far the best sushi place in Nashville, and it was called Sam's. And it was this little hole in the wall downtown and, and Sam's was named for the, the owner, Sam, who was a large, very surly and grouchy Japanese man who was on like a backpacking trip to, in the U.S. When, in his 20s and just decided to stay in Nashville and opened up a, a sushi shop. And Sam really hated his customers. I've never seen anything quite like it. Um, he, again, he made incredible sushi, hated his customers. And so you'd go in. And the first sign of Sam's personality in this, this little hole in the wall is on the wall were a number of like post-it notes, handwritten post-it notes with specific instructions. And Sam expected you to read and abide by all of these. Things like, please have $6.40 exact change, cash, no change will be given, no cards will be accepted. Fill out your order in advance. Put it on, like these are all separate post-it notes, you understand, and they're all, they're not in order. And then it's like, place it on the counter. Do not hand it to Sam. And then another one is don't speak to Sam. <laughs> and so you have all these very tense people in line who just have their cash in one hand, and we all know to have the cash, and their order in the other, and they're just kind of like very, very tentatively walking forward. You place the order and you, you step back and then Sam comes up, doesn't look at you, goes and makes your order and then, you know, you're off. I, I have seen him like say, you were here yesterday, get out. Like literally that. <laughs> One time I was, uh, I was on a date there. This is well before Sharon. And I, I had some egg drop soup and I like put sriracha sauce in it. Right. And I was just like, you know, spice it up a little bit. I like spicy things. And I heard just this explosion of sound behind me. What are you doing putting sriracha in egg drop soup? I look, I look back and it's Sam and he's irate at me. He says, get out. And I was like, okay. I, so I leave. My date didn't even come with me. She's like, I have sushi still, you know. <laughs> but that, that image of someone who, yeah, they've got great things. And you want to be there. But step a toe out of line and you're out. That is how many of us conceive of our God. We think that if we're tolerated in God's presence, in God's kingdom, then it's on a basis of, of high anxiety and tension. And you better be very careful because if you stick a toe out of line, he's going to tell you to hit the road. 
that you'll be rejected. And that, furthermore, you've got to be good enough to earn your spot. You know, if you are going to be let into God's kingdom, if you're going to be considered one of God's people, if you're going to be in relationship with God, if God is going to, to, re to receive your worship, if he is going to answer your prayer and, and, and have favor on your life, then he does so on a very provisional basis that you be perfect or near perfect. And as a result, our walk with God is tense, is full of fear. We don't experience the gospel as very good news. And that's for the, that's for the people who have a good, good, good uh, handle on their impulses, you know? If you're someone who doesn't fit inside of what you imagine as the box of God's people is, if you're someone who has trouble controlling your impulses, if you're struggling with an addiction, substance or otherwise, if your sexual history does not, you feel like it's something God is going to frown on and if you were to approach, he would say, get out of here. You're not supposed to be here. You didn't obey my rules. If that is your understanding, of who God is and how he relates to us. Well, I would ask you to look at God's word. What does it tell us about God? It tells a very different story. Look with me, we'll just read the verse right now. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So what do we see there? Well, basically that God loves us. Now, who is included in God's love? Look with me here. It says God so loved the world. Now remember, this book of John was written to a culture, many of whom were Jews and their understanding of God was shaped by Jewish understanding. And in this era, Jews would have understand God's love to belong only to Jews. And furthermore, not just only to Jews, but only to men mainly. And not just to men, but, you know, because there was a lot of people who didn't take their faith seriously, only to the sort of delta force of the Jewish community, right? The, the real, the guys who were great at obeying the law. That's who God loved. So this, saying that God loves the world, is flipping that on its head, isn't it? It's not saying that, that God loves only the, the righteous. It's not saying that God loves only men or that God loves only the Jews. Instead, it's declaring God's love for all of humanity, regardless of, of their demographic description and also regardless of their moral record. In fact, when we look at the life of Jesus, this is exactly how he lived. He didn't hang out with the Pharisees much except to confront them. <laughs> we didn't see him kicking it with the Holy Club, the people who assumed they had God's love while others didn't. Who did he hang with? Tax collectors who were considered scum of the earth, prostitutes, the uneducated, the undevout, right? Like that is who Jesus hung out with. In fact, he even says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. 
Who is God's love for? It's for you. It's for me. It's for the screw-ups and the unworthy. It's for those who don't belong, quote, at church, who don't fit in with the holy club. So we have to say, well, okay, if God's love is for us, well, in what way does God love us? Okay, and, and the answer to that is Jesus. You could actually translate the Greek here. It's, uh, it could say, this is how God loved the world, that he gave his only son. When it says he gave his only son, it's not this is how much. It says this is how he loved. This is the type of love that he's giving to each and every one of us. Can, can you just, like if we understand Jesus, like this is part of the mystery of the Trinity, y'all. <laughs> God, in what way did God love you and me? That he would send himself to the cross that he would send his only son to the cross. What is, what is the nature of God's love for you? Is it a, a distant love? Is it like, you know, how Taylor Swift loves her fans? I love all you 20,000 people in this stadium. Doesn't know any one of them. Is it the love of a king for subjects? I love my people and they love me. I don't think you can point to many kings who would send themselves to a cross because of the love they had for their people, but this one did. That is the level on which God loves you and me. This is not a distant love. This is a love of father for children. This is not a cheap love. This is a love that cost God the most precious thing that he had to give himself, his son. Now, we also have to ask, why? You know, because, uh, it's yes, that's an amazing thing, but why did Jesus have to go to that cross? Why did God have to die in our place? What did he achieve? What did the cross and the resurrection actually do? What is the end result of this love that God has for you and for me in Jesus? Well, we see that it is salvation. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that. Now, these are much punchier in Greek. That, that's called a purpose clause, right? It's a, it's a so that. He did this. He sent Jesus for the purpose of to achieve the result that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. There's two parts to that salvation. There's the the, the not perishing part, okay? And, and this is the part where we get into the popular doctrine of hell, right? Uh, everyone loves it. But if you think about it, really every culture, including our own, has a version of perishing, whether it's the, the traditional teaching of the Bible about hell, whether it is the ancient pagan and, and modern pagan, the place of the dead, right? You die and it's not as good as when you were alive. That is also perishing all the way down to the modern, more secular understanding that, that, you know, consciousness ceases at death, that is also perishing, okay? So however you are slicing this word perishing, whatever you understand it to mean, part of why Jesus died on the cross and rose again is so that wouldn't happen to you and to me. He does not want us 
to perish. What else is interesting is this word for perish is what's called a, a middle verb. Now this is gonna get a little technical. I am a dork, you just have to live with it. All right, active verb is I cooked chili. Passive verb is, the, is I was cooked by chili. That one doesn't make any sense, but you get what active and passive is, right? This is a middle verb. It is neither active nor passive. It's like shave. I didn't do it to someone else. Someone else didn't do it to me. I, I do it to myself. The word for perish here is a middle verb. It is not God causing the perishing. It is us. What is God saving us from? Perishing. He's saving us from missing out on eternal life because the thing that all those definitions of perishing have in common is that they aren't eternal life. And that's what we, that's what we see is, is not only the main point of this verse, but the whole book of John. At the end of John in chapter 20, he says, he says that this is written so that you would believe in Jesus and have eternal life. Now, what does that mean? A lot of the time we think of, we imagine eternal life as heaven for all eternity. Now, it is true that we go to heaven when we die, but our ultimate hope is not heaven. It's resurrection. I don't know if anyone knows the story of Jesus, but when he died and rose again, he rose with a body. And eternal life is not to be understood as our soul apart from our body. But imagine this world without everything that you hate, without war, without racism, without inequality, without pollution and destruction and death. If you took all those things out of the world, you have probably a decent picture of the sort of eternal life that God gave his son to give us. God loves us. He loves us screw-ups. He loves the struggling. He loves the addicted. He loves those that don't fit. He loves those that are deluded by their own righteousness too and need to lay it down. He loves us so much that he sends Jesus to keep us from perishing and make sure that we have eternal life. What are we to do? Well, the verse tells us, says whoever believes in him, we need to receive God's love by believing in Jesus. How do we begin that? What can you and I do today to say, yes, I believe and receive God's love? It's this meal here. It's communion. Every time, this is one thing communion means. Every time we take communion, we are saying yes to the gospel. We are saying yes to the love of God in Jesus. We are saying yes to the eternal life that God offers us. If you have never ever believed this before, but want to today, then this table is for you. If you've believed this for many years, perhaps since the day that you remember remembering, then you too declare your love and belief in Jesus and response to the gospel at this table. 
on the night that the Lord was betrayed, he took bread and giving thanks, he broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. 